Hi guys and welcome to another episode of this podcast. Um hope you're doing well. Um so this what I'm gonna talk about today is something that I actually um got revealed to me last year in um hmm, I'm gonna say like early October. So it's something that I feel like it's very important for all of us to um know and realize, especially because um sometimes it may feel like so it's basically about um leaving your father's house right and i feel like sometimes when people think that oh yeah just doing it just to spite somebody or just so that you can't misbehave or you know like how some groups of people have the belief that you must stay in your father's house till you marry and then that's only when you're allowed to move out which is not it shouldn't be in actually more traditional societies that's how it is you know i've spoken to people from um like the philippines taiwan and stuff and that's how it, things are there to like you live with family till um live with family till you're you know getting married so like yeah so you could be 30 and still living with your parents and it may never be because you can't afford it well, it's just because, like, that's just how things are. And you may not necessarily be hard-pressed to move if you're comfortable. Um, you know, so besides... So one of the main things that make people move out, you know, is, you know, when a place is no longer comfortable, you know. Sometimes we seem to get really complacent and comfortable. And there's nothing wrong with being comfortable and being content and not, you know, wanting more and stuff. But when it's at the detriment of... Sorry, there's, there's there's something wrong with not wanting more. You should always want more. And it doesn't have to be more stuff, you know. It could be just more... Maybe a, a closer relationship with God. Um, it could be a better relationship with your family. You know, that, that could be spouse. It could be siblings or cousins, whatever. You know what I mean? Like, you should always strive to be better than you currently are. So, um, basically, there's no real title, but the first sentence I wrote was, for us to reach our greatest, our greatness potential, we must separate from our parents, you know. For some people, it was like, you have no choice, maybe your parents were not really well-to-do like that, so from an early age, you definitely distanced yourself because you had no, um, no chance, no, um, What's the word? Like, they couldn't really afford to continue taking care of you, so you had no choice but to go um, go out on your own. And then there are other... There are second, there's a second class of people who their parents, you know, can afford to take them, send them to school, can afford to take care of them and stuff. So they don't really detach from the parents. They don't really untie themselves from those apron strings. They stay attached, you know. And this whole thing of separation from your parents is not necessarily only just leaving your father's house. It's like, it's, it's the process of becoming your own person. Because some parents in the pursuit of trying to get you to be mm, happy is like maybe third on the list, but they want you to be successful. They want you to, especially money-wise, you know, they really don't want you to suffer. You know, parents that really love their children, they don't want their children to suffer, which is a lovely thing. But sometimes that can be at the detriment of some growth that needs to happen, you know. Like, I'm not saying that parents should throw their children out at the age of 18 and be like, oh, you're 18 now, so get out of my house and you're independent. No, I'm not saying that. But I am saying that there should be a... 
I like to say, like a middle ground per se, in which, as you know, your child is getting more independent, you are relinquishing more of their decisions to them, you know. It's not at the age of 18 that you're telling your child, oh, make sure you brush your teeth. Like, the child is 18. If they don't know they're supposed to brush their teeth, then, then let them not brush their teeth and bear the consequences. You know what I mean? You know, that's not the time to, uh, you know, some parents still say make your bed into a tw- child that you're in your 20s. Like, I just feel like, man, they lost cause. Okay, I'm at 26. I'm not, I'm not making my bed. You know what I mean? Like, even me, like, uh, you know what I mean? Like, things like that. You know, these are things that you should, you should have learned earlier on. And if they didn't, or if they learned it and they just don't see the importance, then so be it. It doesn't mean that you failed. It just means that the child just was not convinced like me. I'm talking about making the bed, and that one is personal. My mother, my father, till tomorrow, they, they, they see that my bed is not made. They, you know, they just talk about it. Not like, in, they just, like, tell me, like, man, we'll make your bed. <laughs> like, and I'm just like... Uh, I don't know. I'm not really a bed making person. I mean, I do sometimes, but other times I'm just like, eh, let's leave it. You know what I mean? Um, anyways, this is enough about me. Back to what I'm talking about. Um, so for those who your parents don't push you out of the house or there's no necessity to leave the house, like there's a level of comfort in just staying in your parents' house in your father's house or you know being still staying dependent on your parents now obviously this does not this i'm not when i'm talking about this i'm not referring to people who they have been trying to get a job and stuff and things haven't worked out so they still have to depend on their parents that's different that's like you're trying to be your own person but it's just taking a little bit longer i'm not referring to those people i'm referring to people who you can afford to live alone you can afford to be independent you know and you are choosing not to be independent and independence is not only financial okay there's independence of thought you know and obviously the blame is on both sides you know parents that feel the need that to be instructing a full-grown adult on what to do and what not to do and expecting that the child should give you full obedience in that i feel like that's ridiculous because as an adult, well, adults, you know, at that point in which your child becomes an adult, I feel like the relation should change from a subservient, um, like for a relationship. With, I mean, there's there'll still be the power dynamic of oh, these are my parents, and then I'm the child, but it's not meant to be at that as deep as when you know the person was like five or six because obviously you know when you're like 20 and and stuff and yes obviously i know that some people are still not fully mature at those ages but it doesn't matter they are old enough to make their own decisions let them make the decisions that even if the decisions that they will make are decisions that will make you cringe and be like "Ah, is this person stupid that is not it's not like it's not your concern but it's okay let them learn that way and another thing that i've learned is that a lot of people give advice based on their own personal experiences they give advice based on what they will do in your situation it does not mean that that's what that's the decision that's best for you and it doesn't mean that that's the step that you are meant to take you know some you know obviously once again like it goes back to what i said about you know a lot of parents don't want their children to suffer and that's very true they don't want you to suffer so they they are just thinking of what's the easiest possible route i can send you through obviously now <laughs> good luck to those parents that will try to do that one now because the world is just <laughs> turning on its own 
the world is is mad like that was just lost you know the world has lost it like i'm just like wow if you're trying to raise your kids now good luck to you you know what i mean so if you're trying to raise your kids with the mindset of oh i'm trying to shelter you from a lot of suffering and pain i really wish you the best because it's just it's almost impossible there's going to be pain and suffering and it's part of life that's what you know teaches you some toughness that's what helps you grow some a level of thick skin which is needed to survive in the world because there are a lot of really brutal harsh people and you can't protect your child from, you know, interacting with them. Even if you can't delay it, the child will still eventually grow up. And, you know, at some point, they'll leave you now. So they will still end up meeting these people. And now these people are also online. So maybe you don't meet them in person. You find them online. And you don't want your child to not have coping mechanisms because all your life, every every um, obstacle or challenge, you've always tried to shield your child from that. Like, anyways, this is not a parenting, this thing. I feel like I'm sounding like i'm giving parenting advice i'm really not let me go back to <laughs> what i'm talking about um but i this is my own belief and this is what was real to me so this was real to me on a trip i was going from abuja to lagos and you know i was looking outside and the revelation started coming so when i when i, when I arrived i started resting on the plane then when i arrived in lagos i root 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 it was just pouring out of me you know so i said so you know once again what was the whole thing about parents parents don't want us to suffer i said this is like until i said um they don't want us to suffer so they want to shield us from life's problems and give us the best possible experience they can afford this is detrimental to our potential because the only way we can achieve is to overcome. If there's very little to overcome, we'll have very little in the way of achievements. Think about it. If 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 you never had any to overcome anything and your life was just easy and what's not, what what like there's like if there was there was never a challenge, you know. You you never struggled at anything. You wouldn't you won't even value what you have because you're just like, man, you know what I mean? I can I can get another of this. Like if you never struggled in your life, it's be very hard to value things. Like that's how that's why, you know, like most of these people who whose parents just give them money without really showing them the value of work and how the money is earned and all that stuff. Most of those children they don't value money because it's like, well, if I spend all this, you kind of you're gonna give me some more. Like to them, it's not it's not an accomplishment. Like there's nothing special about it. It's like it's not just money again. Like it's just money that, you know, it's money, nothing big. So, um, you know, this revelation obviously has come back to the Bible, and I didn't write the scriptures here, but this is mostly Genesis because I have Joseph, Abraham, and I have David. David is not Genesis. David is Kings. Um, David is in the book of Kings now. Is it first or second Kings? Let me find out. I know I am such a bad Christian for not knowing this. God has to help me. Uh, sorry. Is it even Kings or Samuel? Hey, Father Lord. So sorry for this technical difficulty, but in the meantime, let me just start off with um Joseph Abraham Joseph and Abraham. So Joseph, the story of Joseph was he's the he was the eleventh son of of Jacob, you know, and 
his Jacob, um, Jacob loved him the the most or the best out of all the the brothers, and he even gave him a special, um, yeah, it's the book of Samuel. It's the books of First and Second Samuel that talk about David. So remember, just shame on me. And I remember the king, the books of kings. You talked about the kings after um, David's people, like David's ancestry. Ancestry, uh, ancestral lineage. I'm so sorry. I don't know what's going on today with my brain. So, it's Sha talks about all the other kings that the Israelites and Judah had. So it's, it's the king, the books, the books of First and Second Kings, um, are when the, um, Israel split into two kingdoms. Yes, and then it talks about the kings they had and how they led them to evil and the few that were good and stuff. Sha. So yeah, this is Samuel, First and Second Samuel. So. Sorry for that interruption back. So Joseph, he was the 11th out of 12. Um, he was the favorite because he was born when Jacob was in his old age. And um, his father loved him so much, Jacob, that he gave him a coat of many colors. And his brothers used to get more and more jealous of, of their relationship because Joseph, you know, um, Jacob would send Joseph to go check up on his brothers, but they were shepherds, so they would go with their sheep to different places. They are sheep to different places, and um, he'll always he'll come and tattle. Not tattle, but he'll do like if they're doing anything that wasn't right, he would come and tell Jacob straight up like they're not doing this and that and other stuff. And they didn't like that. Then when he had the dreams, so the first dream he had was about his sheaves, like all of them having sheaves of corn, and all their sheaves bowed down to his, and they were like, "What are you trying to say? Like, are you trying to say that they're going to rule over us?" And they they disliked him even more. Then the other one, I can't remember. I had another dream. I read this thing today. Oh, Lord. I had another dream where, um, this one around, it was not only, it was stars, yeah. The sun, moon, and stars, and they all bowed down to him. <coughs> so that was, that was including his parents now. And so, you know, even his dad, his dad was like, uh-uh, so what's, what, what are you trying to say? That we'll all bow down to you, like, really, you know, get back to work. <laughs> so... They hated him so much that this one time when he went to check on them, they were plotting to kill him. But then his eldest brother, Ruben, was like, no, let us just put him in the, an empty well. So they put him there. And then Ruben's plan was that he would come and rescue him and take him back to his father so that his father would like him and be like, oh, such a good son, Ruben. Thank you for rescuing my son. Um, but by the time Ruben came back, the brother that sold him to slavery to Egypt. So he goes to Egypt, he serves Potiphar. Potiphar's wife starts looking at him, lusting after him, trying to sleep with him. And he literally just runs away and she takes his clothes. But he ran, he ran away, not naked. They have his underclothes or something. So she ran away and she lied that, oh, you know, he did that. He tried to sleep with her and everything. And then Potiphar threw him in jail. <sighs> then... You know, you know, being in jail was not fun, but God still favored him there so that the jailers liked him and they just, they put him in charge of the prison again. So he wasn't really a prisoner, prisoner and stuff. And uh, then he met a baker and um, the cup bearer of the king. They were thrown in prison because something happened. A cup, a cup was stolen or something like that. And the king was like, who stole the cup? And they both had dreams, and Joseph interpreted the dreams for them. And it turned out that it was the baker. And so when the, when the whole thing played out, 
the cobra was restored and joseph told him before he died she remember him and he gets to the kingdom to the palace sorry and the cobra forgot about him until the king pharaoh started having dreams and he was like mm, he asked all these magicians and sorcerers and they could not explain it so he was like okay you know he was really getting perplexed so that way the cobra finally remembered joseph like years later all these things took years and just summarizing so then the cobra remembered joseph so he now sends to the prison for joseph he shaved and everything came for the king the king told him he interpreted the dream the king was like oh and then he even gave suggestions of what to do because the dream was basically saying that there's going to be a famine for seven years there was beef, um, plenty for seven years and then famine for seven years and so a really terrible famine and he suggested how how to how to mitigate it so that they don't suffer in the seven years of famine and so the, because of that the king was very impressed and he made him second in command they named him Zafina Panaya. he became the governor of Egypt and everything lovely 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 then years later during the famine his brothers came to get some um, grain from Egypt because Egypt was the only place that actually had food in this famine time so they were you know helping out cashing out and that's how he got reconciled with his brothers I won't go into that whole part but so what what I said about that part was you know <coughs> God was still with him and favored him through all that you know and at the appointed time he was called out of prison and what he did earned him the position of governor and he eventually saved the Israelites from the famine and gave them good land because they ended up settling in Goshen, which was the good land. You know, obviously, at the end of the day, the Israelites were, they became enslaved by the Egyptians and then they eventually left the promised land. But at this time, this you know, the land was good. So if he was still in his house enjoying favorite son status, you know, he, I mean, he wasn't working. You know what I mean? The, the other sons were shepherds. Him, he was not. He was, you know, doing daddy's boy in the house. He would, or daddy wants them. I'm like, okay, uh, just uh, for you, I'll go and check on them. He'll go and check on them. And he was the youngest. You know what I mean? I'm not saying that there should be a hierarchy and that it always to be the oldest should be the supervisor and the younger one should be working. I don't believe in all that. I don't subscribe to that. You know, but I'm just saying that he could have also joined them, you know, but he did not join them. Whether... His father thought he was weak and he just didn't want him to um, stress himself or whatever. But he, you know, he didn't do like the the work that every other person was doing because his father thought he was special. So if he was still enjoying that favorite son status, how would he have ended up as the governor of Egypt? He would have had a very good life, a lovely life, in fact, because you know Jacob was rich. You know Jacob had probably given him most of the inheritance. But, you know, he wouldn't have been able to help people. He would have also suffered in the famine. Who knows? Like, his whole family could have... That, that could have been the end of that family. But the supposed evil that his brothers did, you know, God still used it for his good. Yes, it was a horrible experience and it was very torturous, especially probably in the prison time. Because when he was working for Potiphar, it was not so bad. He was working in a house and he was in charge of everything once again. Like, favor kept on following him. So he he never, like, suffered as bad as he could have been. And in Potiphar's house, it was very cool. He was second in command, you know. When he got to the prison, the prison guards liked him. So he wasn't, like, you know, a regular prisoner and stuff. He was... <coughs> kind of free you know ish obviously still prison not pleasant place to be so i i believe that um 
you know, while it was a very painful process, at the end of it, it was what was what came out of it was very beautiful. He became governor, and he was able to help his family and help, you know, a ton of people. Because you know, they went during the famine. The famine affected like the whole area, not just Egypt. It affected like neighboring countries as well. It was the regional famine, so it was very major. And you know, through God's wisdom and everything, he was able to overcome. <laughs> I said overcome. I was able to you know be there, be at the right place at the right time, and give the wisdom needed to solve the situation, to solve the problem. So, you know, kudos to God and to him for that, even though he didn't do anything. That one, that one is like a situation in which you are literally thrust out because you will not go out. You know, okay, Abraham next, because this was a true boy who came to mind, and he came to mind again. Abraham was born into a family of idol worshippers, and God called him out of his family and country. So Abraham, um, how will I describe Abraham? So basically, Genesis is about this first family. So it's about Abraham, his son Isaac, and then his son Jacob. So Joseph is like Abraham's great great grandson, something like that. So, mm-hmm. so Abraham is like the first person got um in reference in the Bible after the whole flood incident with Noah and whatnot. Then it goes down the genealogy. Then it talks about Abraham. Then it was Abraham, Abraham, Sarai, Lot, his cousin. So. He was still living with his father. He was like how old in his seventies when God called him out. You know. When he left with his wife and cousin, he went through a whole growth period where he learned to truly trust in God. He stayed in foreign lands and God prospered him wherever he went. When he and Lot had to choose land because their families were both getting larger families and their flock. You know, all these all shepherds, you know, getting large. He let Lot choose first. And Lot chose based on what he could see. So Lot chose like the place that was all greenery and stuff and ended up going to some Gomorrah and uh, that's another story. Um, because at the end of the day, Lot had to live there with only the clothes on his back and all his prosperity was gone. You know. He, and you know, where Abraham stayed, it was not as luscious looking as where Lot was, but you know, God prospered him. Um God had already promised him since that you know, he'll be the father of many nations and everything through his son that him and Sarah would have and everything. And even though they, at some point, they lost faith because, you know, when he, um, Sarah told him to sleep with her maid and give it to Ishmael, you know, and God was like, nah, that's still, that's not the person that the promise is coming from. Excuse me. You know, these are, some of us like to help God, you know, these are on our side, you know, we like to help God, you know, God has told you something and you're like, hmm, Maybe this is the way. So let me just help him out a bit. And you know that what you have done is not necessarily exactly what he said. It's close enough, but it's not exactly. You want to reimagine it so that it can kind of be within your control. And, you know, God is still like, nah, the way I said it is the way I'm going to do it. Your own. You're on your own. Yeah. <laughs> Whatever you're doing is between you and yourself. You're on your own. I'm not, that's not what I'm, you know. That's not what I'm, I'm, that's not what I said. So just wait, you know. I remember them for a very long time and oh, I empathize with them because, dang, son, it's not easy, you know. And eventually when they have, when they had Isaac, you know, everything went according to plan. And, you know, Abraham is referred to the father of faith, even though 
regret to ask the father of faith even though at some points you know with remain the whole point the whole thing with the sleeping with the maid to give birth to ishmael you know but he still first to ask the father of faith you know because overall he did have faith in god he did trust god um and god blessed him for it you know when you trust god he definitely rewards it he's not going to ask you to do something that's risky and then you have you just suffer for it he's not wicked you know then finally david david was the last born he was the smallest um in a family of males he was as good as useless to his father you know <clears throat> he was the one that they sent they kept with the sheep so you see it's, it's another side of this whole sheep thing in which it's like eh, this is my other sons well they had they, they were they were warriors though they were warriors but I think they were home at this time. So this was when um Samuel came to anoint a new king after Saul had messed up and God was like, I'm done with this guy. You know, go and take this oil, go and anoint the next king. So he went to um Jesse's house and they had sons and he was like, Oh, which one? Then he saw the first one, very big. And Samuel his man was like, This must be it, you know, he's very big and strong, you know. And God is like, No, 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 no. You look at the outer appearance, but I look at the heart. And God rejected all the big, big sons that Jesse was bringing out. So Samuel was like, ah, is there, are, the, are these all your sons? Like, God has not chosen any of these ones. So that's kind of like, eh, there's one at the back, eh, David, is, you know. So when he came out, then they now anointed him and the spirit of God rested on him from that point. You know, so the slight neglect in you know, in which he was just left to his own devices with the sheep for a long time, which is evidenced in the story when he's talking to Saul and telling him about his experience killing a lion and in and a bear to protect the flock. Um so it led to him being semi independent from a young age, um, which led to him accomplishing some, you know, great feats, which are the killing of a lion and a bear. And this this um gave him this strengthened him so that when he went you know he now slaughtered his sorry in this slaughter he slayed goliath i mean you know what i mean so then with from from that you know he became known as a great warrior and he started um he was now he was not part of the the king's army and he would go around and he would <laughs> go and fight the wars with the other warriors and everything and then Women say chanting, uh, Saul has killed thousands, David has killed 10,000, and then Saul started getting jealous and everything. And then, cut a long story short, Saul started hunting David, and he wanted to kill him because he was just jealous of his rise. And so David was end up being on the lamb, basically. He was on the run from Saul for many years. Even though he was called, that God had already anointed him that he would be the next king. He couldn't ascend the throne because, man, the current king was trying to kill him. So, you know, ugh, his life was in danger for a long time. He escaped. He, you know, he was going from place to place. And sometimes he had to act mad at some point. Just different, different things. He was... He really went through a lot, you know. And in that time, he learned to truly rely on God. You know, he knew that man could fail him at any time. Because, I mean, Saul was the one that, first of all, called him into his employment and everything and give him his first big break and now Saul is the one that's trying to kill him 
you know the person that initially helped you can turn around and tomorrow be the one that haunts you so one thing i you know observe from all three stories so when you're when you're forced to be alone forced to be kind of by yourself it forces you to rely on god because you realize that man can fail you right joseph's brothers his brothers are the ones that sold him into slavery you know abraham nobody was you know but he still has trust in God because God gave him a promise and he just had to believe that God was going to fulfill the promise that he, that he gave. And lo and behold, God didn't disappoint. You know, same thing with David. David was pretty much by himself for the most part. And, okay, when he became part of the warriors, he was, you know, maybe he was becoming, you know, he's very, I think he was a very likable person and stuff. He even became friends with Jonathan, Saul's son. So, you know, things were going well. But then he had to run away because he realized, ah, this guy wants to kill me. Then he went back to being alone. But then God sent him people. So he had like, I think like 400 men going up and down with him, you know. And he, I guess he kind of trained them to be kind of skillful in the um, warriors and stuff. And, you know, he studied his leadership from a smaller, smaller size, you know, from like a few hundred people, you know, then before he went to a whole nation. And he has to learn to trust God because God is God kept him alive throughout the whole ordeal of him running away from Saul. In fact, he even had a couple of opportunities to kill Saul. He chose not to do it because he's like, I, I can't kill somebody that God has anointed. Even if God has taken his hand away from him, I can't kill this person, you know, that God has anointed. Um, he has to just trust that God had a plan because he knew that he was anointed. I just have to stick with it. Sometimes God gives you a promise and it takes a really long time to fulfill and honestly this story is just telling me that don't be weary god gave all of them promises you know and it, it, it took years for all of them to come to as in years decades for them to come to fruition and even when david eventually became king he became king from a city before he, be, he took over the throne it was ugh, nah he tried forget it he tried it was another while again like uh before he finally became king of the whole country of Israel. So it really requires patience. Sometimes, you know, God's promises take a while to come true. It doesn't mean that it doesn't come true. It just takes a while. And it's very easy to despair. But this story just kind of encourages us not to despair. Um, you know, even Jesus, um, in his own hometown, they were just they looked down on him. You know, sometimes oh, that I say familiarity brings breeds contempt. Sometimes your parents, they don't think you can handle much. It doesn't mean that you cannot handle much, but they just don't think because they like they know you are when you were small. They had this small thing you used to cry. You know, it's very hard for them to shake that image that oh you're now a grown up and or that for them to like you know some people think people think that people still think that oh crying is no weakness. So if you're crying, oh my god, you're so tender and so uh-huh. it's like whatever. Um, it's not true. So that's not like whatever. Or you know maybe every maybe when you're younger you used to give up very easily. Any small thing, any small slight of any slight challenge, you used to give up, and so in their minds that has not changed and they're like oh we want to really help this child just have the best in life we don't want you to suffer once again it doesn't come from a bad place it comes from a very very good place of love of you know wanting the best for you and stuff so it's not them that it's not like they have a problem you know and it's not like what they're doing is bad it's just that it's detrimental to your greatness capacity so I've really, it's only a few people that they succeeded in their parents' houses.
nine, you know, majors tell me the stories, <sighs> you know, but to, you know, to truly achieve the level of greatness that you are made for. And when I say greatness, I don't mean that you have to be famous. I just mean to achieve the level of, as in you, your personality, to achieve the height of you know, what you are capable of, to expand your territory to the full width, to come into your full person, you have to be independent of your parents. This has been shown over and over again. I finished reading this book um, more than enough. I talked about it in the previous episode. You know, right after university, she moved to New York for a job. And she still lives in New York till now. And, you know, she's been there for, like, maybe 13 years. And... You know, yes, your parents are there to support you. So good parents will still be there with you, even if you tell them that, oh, I have to leave. I have to, you know, strike out on my own and try to make it on my own. They'll still be there for support, emotional support now. So when you call them and you're like, oh, I'm really having a hard time, they wouldn't tell you, oh, come home. Oh, if things are hard, come back. No, they'll be like, oh, you can do it. I know you can do it. I have confidence in you. You know, they'll, you know, advise you be you know to the best once again like i said earlier most people advise based on what they would do in your situation not actually what is not actually what you should do given who you are as a person you know but you know good parents would observe that your child is different and they would just give the best advice and you know also just tell you not to put too much pressure on yourself if things don't work out it doesn't make you a failure you know i feel like we need to hear that more often Instead of feeling like, oh, if I if I leave, then I am I am basically by myself. You know, I have to I can't fail. I can't fail. If I fail, oh my God, you know, my feelings for myself have changed. I now just feel horrible. Oh, I can't go back and those kind of things. It's unnecessary really. It's unnecessary. Like everybody feels at one time or the other. It's always unnecessary, you know. Mm-hmm. Um so what are the final takeaways from this until we learn to truly trust god we won't be able to achieve the heights we're destined for one two being in your home is not a bad thing it just becomes a place of comfort especially when it's too nice and once again your comfort zone is not where you grow you know, the home is to give you a basic level of confidence which you can t- take outside to be able to do what you need to do because you're confident enough to be like, this will have my back, they believe in me. If anything goes wrong and I really, really need to return here, I'll be welcomed back without judgment. But they support me and I'm confident enough in my abilities to go out and do what I need to do. That's this. Now, okay, here we're ended. Now, most of these people had extreme situations that led to them leaving their hometowns or homes. As even that doesn't happen to us, we have to decide to leave our homes. But if we don't, we run the risk of limiting our achievements and potential. You know, we run the risk of, you know, having a good life, but not having a life of impact. I think that's better to put it. Because when you're comfortable, you're not really thinking of how am I going to impact anything. You're just like, oh, I'm comfortable. Life is good. I don't really need to do anything. I don't need to um, do much. So um, this is the end of this episode. And I hope that you yeah, have been convinced and I'm not confused by the fact that we all have to leave our homes at some point in time. 
we all have to become our own people we all have to be independent we have to there has to be a time when it's just us and god and we just have to duke it out and struggle to make it because you will make it the promise is that you will make it you know just a matter of when and the matter of just starting so i hope you guys think about this ponder it if you think i'm lying i cited people from the bible so you can go and find them once again abraham and joseph's stories are in genesis and david's story is in first and second samuel all right once again have any questions have any comments Feel free to leave a voice message or hit me up. Have my phone number or, you know, message me on Instagram. Everything is going to be in the show notes. Till next time, have a great life. Bye.